Ecclesiastes chapter number four, and um, still working and will for 11 more months, I reckon, um, as the Lord leads, uh, but uh, things to iron out, and um, still looking at the home right now, we just covered uh, Abraham, and I looked at some poor examples that he left us as uh, uh, being a father and a leader in the home, and uh, but we're going to, we'll leave the men alone for a little bit, amen men, and, uh, and uh, just uh, hit something a little bit different here. Ecclesiastes chapter number four, and I want to speak tonight real quick on uh, working as a team, working as a team, uh, husbands and wives working as a team. Um, studying for Institute and had a really great time studying who God is at Institute and uh, enjoyed that greatly. But uh, last night we got an interesting study on the will of God and um, talking about the will of God and, uh, um, you know, and then sovereignty of God. And we got into some pretty deep discussions, um, you know, Calvinist beliefs and and um, you know and how we as Baptists should respond and and we got into some interesting thoughts. Um, does God know? <clears throat> excuse me. Does God know who all is going to get saved? Yes, He's God. Right. I have no problem saying that. I'm not a Calvinist. He's God. All right. Uh, he He knows. There's, there's no problem there. All right. Um, and, 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 and he knows that, um, but just because his, he has sovereignty, which he does, doesn't cancel out all his other attributes. And the will of God, and people will take it then, well, the will of God, because he, he's sovereign, he will make it happen. Well, what is God's will towards lost people? Right, he's not willing that any should perish, but that what? All should come to repentance, right? And uh, so the two, sovereignty and his will, work together. And his providence will work in people's lives and, and bring them and they'll be confronted with the gospel. But all men have a free will and a free choice. And, um, and, and so we established that because if you believe that, you know, God, Jesus only died for those who are going to get saved, you have a lot of scriptural issues you're going to have to deal with, right? Uh, and one of those, and probably the greatest one, is the fact that this, um, if you're saying that, you know, God knew that, so God orchestrated everything in light of that, then you have just made God the author of sin. But God is not the author of sin. Man chose to sin, all right? So anyways, we talked about that. It was a fun conversation, but then we got into the will of God, all right? And that's where, you know, a lot of times we get a uh, little, like, uh, you know, overwhelmed, uh, you know, and, and I made this statement, which everyone kind of looked at me really funny when I said it, and because we've, we've kind of done some, you know, I'm talking about the family, so I'm getting there. Everybody with me on this trip, all right? All right, good, all right? But I, I made the statement, I said, you know, did God know who I was going to marry? Yeah, he's God, right? He's God, of course he did, yeah? I said, but Stacy, that doesn't mean that Stacy was the only one I could marry. Now, you're looking at me the same way they did, all right? Because 
What if I would have thrown my life into immorality or whatever at age 19? Do you really think that God would have said, we still have to marry him? If she's keeping herself pure and right? Probably not. Or if God called me to be a pastor and my wife would have, you know, threw her life away. When we got in the car, she was like, what all did you talk about? And Hope said, we talked about you being immoral at 19. She's like, what? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but, you know, if she, you know, would at 19, you know, lived an immoral life and, and, and you know, and thrown her life into sin, does that mean now I'm not ever going to get married? I'm never going to pastor? No, because the providence of God right? And it doesn't, you say, well, but God knew you were going to marry Stacy. No, if that was all the scenario, God knew I wasn't going to marry Stacy. But you say, this is like, I know. If we could understand and have full control of the mind of God, then he would cease to be God because he'd be just like us. Some things are just beyond our comprehension to be able to comprehend. All right. I'll give you another illustration. All right. Uh, The Lord called me to preach. And at in 1993, I graduated high school, and I knew the Lord wanted me to go train at Bible college, but I didn't want to go. I mean, it don't sound fun, and I knew the place he was wanting me to go to. I was like, this is miserable. Uh, you know, I was just like, oh, and, uh, and, and I have to, you know, and, but I knew what the Lord wanted. In 1993, because Baptist Temple was going through a very difficult time church didn't have a pastor numbers were down brother Doug was around 93 what if Travis Burke would have said you know what I'm not doing this preaching thing I'm going to do my own thing I'm going to go make some money I'm going to go live for myself I'm going to whatever but I'm walking away from the will of God did that doom Kazada Baptist Temple no God would have sent someone right God would have sent someone. Or vice versa. If I would have continued doing right and my, put my head down and just followed the Lord's leadership, but Kazadel made the wrong choices and shut the doors in 1993, does that mean I'd never pastor? No. Right? I mean, that's just logic. Everybody with me? I'm not trying to do anything weird. That's just logic. Of course God would do that. And I only say that because I'm going to talk about working together as a team. I'm going to talk about husbands and wives, but I want our teenagers, I want our young adults to understand this, all right? That, you know, just be patient. Sometimes we get this attitude, you know, well, the person I was supposed to marry probably messed up. I'm going to be single all my life. No, God's still really great at working everything out according to his will. Well, you know, they probably, no. God works despite man. Right? That's where his sovereignty, will, and providence all work together. All right? Because God, his providence is this, that he always wants what's best for us, and he wants us to be happy. All right? Now, my mom, I've spent a lot of time with my mom the last two weeks because of all the doctors and surgeries and travels and doctor's visits. And, and, uh, and she brought something, too. And, uh, and I thought it was interesting. So if you don't like it, you can yell at my mom Sunday, right? Uh, but uh, no, she, she said this. She goes, you know, she goes, I, I've been studying prayer. And she shared this with me. She said, 
the Bible specifically says that many times our prayers don't get answers because we want to consume it upon our own lust. Right? Right? I mean, that's what it says, right? And so she said, you know, I, I think about in the past when there were certain opportunities or uh, I think of people in different scenarios and jobs they wanted. And, and, uh, and she mentioned what I'm speaking on tonight about husbands and wives. And, and she said, I wonder if many times God's not answering that prayer because we're praying selfishly. Because I want it. I know we're getting really quiet, but right? I mean, that's what the Bible says. And she said, rather, our prayer should always be this, God, whatever glorifies you. Amen? Amen. And when our heart is set, and I just want to glorify you, watch what God does. And so, I share all that to lay a groundwork because so many times when you know, someone gets up to preach, you know, on husband and wife and working as a team, uh, you know, the devil whispers in people's ears and they'll be like, you know, well, see, you're just not on their level. What a lie of the devil. As long as you're living a life that's glorifying God, you couldn't be in any better place. Just serve the Lord and just be totally surrendered to him and say, I just want to glorify you with my life and with my actions. And here it is, really big thing. I trust you, God. God, you do what's best in my life. So just keep that in mind, all right? And uh, as, as we study these things, all right, um, and just pray that God will get the glory, live for his glory, and trust that God only has your best interest at heart. And those things are facts. Now, when God gives us a spouse, and that's what we want to speak on tonight, about um, a husband and wife, Understand the purpose of a marriage is the same exactly before you're married. Bring glory to God. That's it. That's it. That's our ultimate purpose in life is to bring glory to God. Right, Brother Hodnett? That's our ultimate purpose in life. Amen? And so if I, when I got married, that became the two of ours ultimate purpose in life. Is to do that. And by the way, in the viewpoint of God, we're one flesh. Doing and and bringing glory to God. Before we got married, that was my God-ordained role, to bring glory to God. So guess what? Whether you're married tonight or whether you're not married tonight, we share and we're on the same level with the same goals in the sight of God. Amen. Amen. And so we want to go with this now, and, and, uh, and what can we do? In Ecclesiastes chapter number 4 and in verse number 9, the Bible says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath uh, not another to help him up. Uh, Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Uh, I know all the teaching about the threefold cord, and that third is God. All right, Uh, without a doubt, all right. Uh, But uh, these verses here are talking about this, that that God will bring people into our lives. Uh, in, In the marriage world, that's a husband and wife. If you're not married, that's you and a godly person in your life, and God has put them in your lives. I don't care who you are, 
You're sitting at this church right now. God's put godly people in your life to stand there with you and to be there with you, all right? And so uh, we, we have this uh, opportunity to work together and as a team. And I want, I want to talk about this teamwork. And Solomon said it perfectly, two are better than one. Again, not saying that married is better than single. I'm saying this, that a companion and a friend in life will help us in our life to bring glory to God. Teamwork. Find people you can work with. And enjoy this life, bringing glory to God. Um, this year, I, I coach, uh, like I have last few years, our, our boys' basketball team. Last year, we graduated three seniors. Johnny was just fantastic basketball player, man. Matthew was fantastic. Ethan was okay. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, right? Uh, no, he's, and by the way, Ethan, uh, uh, he's been transferred over to uh, um, Maryland. And uh, Brother Price was able to contact the church where they served at. And Pastor Lacombe went over, and Ethan uh, came over to church, loved church. And uh, he's in a good church over there. Isn't that awesome? Uh, so I was really excited about that. Uh, but this year's basketball team going into it, I was like, oh, boy. I mean, we graduated three seniors, which is a lot, right? Um, our, we're young. Our oldest is a sophomore, right? And I thought, this is, this is going to be interesting. But... Uh, we're seven and three. It's like, how did that happen, right? And, and, I, and I, I was talking to Brother Eric. Um, we, we coached a team together. And, and one thing that really stands about, out about this team is their teamwork. Everyone just does their job. And they've accepted that. Nobody's, you know, a big shot. Uh, no one's going pro. Don't tell them. They think they are. Uh, but, you know, no, no one's at that place, right? They just, they all do their thing. They all know their role. They all know their, what they're going to do. And, and, and they're successful because they're working as a team. I, I read an article. If you're not into baseball, you're blessed. Uh, but I enjoy the sport. Uh, I enjoy watching it. And, uh, uh, and I say blessed because our local team's struggling, right? Um, the Reds. Uh, and I read an article on the Reds uh, and, how, and what's wrong. And, uh, and someone in the article wrote this, that, that you need these seven things to build a good franchise. And... Um, you say, what are you doing? Are you preaching? Oh, hold on, right? Because when I read him, I was just like, whoa, whoa, right? But here's the seven. Number one, you need a good owner. Number two, you need the right coach who knows the rules. Number three, they need to work together well as a team and want to. Number four, they need to have the right motivation and understand their opponents. Number five, they need to have the right resources. Number six, they need to have a good leader and number seven, that everyone understands their roles and does their job. Now, Reds have some issues, and all those issues need to be addressed, right? But I'm not talking about the Reds tonight. I'm talking about our marriages. And I want you to go to Genesis, because where else better to start with marriage than Genesis chapter 1, right? Let's go over there real quick. Y'all excited? To, this is good. Don't you love studying the Bible? All right. Let's talk about these things really quick, all right? Teamwork, working together. Number one, the first marriage is going to take place here in Genesis, all right? I'm just going to go back over those seven points, all right? But we're going to look at the scriptures, all right? Because when I read them, I was just like, wow. I just kind of think, thought about it. Number one, you need a good owner. In Genesis chapter number one and verse number two, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse number 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. He is the creator. In that first marriage, he formed the team. Amen? He was the one. And uh, that's why And by, he married them. Uh, in the New Testament, Jesus said these words, What God, therefore, had joined together, let not man put asunder. All right? Marriage is an act of God. Keep that in mind, all right? It's not just ours to, you know, get married and divorce, get married, divorce. That, that's not God's plan because that's not in our hands. God is the one that joins together, all right? Uh, but he's the owner. So I ask every husband and wife in this room tonight, is he the owner of your marriage? He's the, is he the boss? Is he calling the shots? If an owner's going to buy a team, it's crazy what they spend to buy these franchises, right? But nothing to be compared to the price that was paid for you. According to the word of God, you have been bought with a price. Amen. What was the price? The precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 20, it says this, you have been bought with a price, therefore what? Therefore what? Glorify God. Isn't that our purpose? All right. And so he purchased, he put this first team together. He, if you're married tonight, he puts you together. He formed the team. All right. And and he put this together. All right. And so we have to, we have a great owner. If you're not saved tonight, then tonight, let it be the night of your salvation. Because if he is not the one who's calling the shots, if he's not in control of your marriage, if he's not the one that you're looking to for direction, you're going to fail. Your marriage is going to be hard. Amen. So you need to have a right owner. Number two, you've got to have a right good coach that knows the rules. Amen. And... Chapter 1 and verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. The Bible that we have, and I'm thankful that God gave this first marriage, this first couple, a job to do. Verse number 26. He told them what they were to do. And he told them how to do it. We, right now, we have in our hands the mind of God. We have, we have what, we, we can know how to think and how to act and what to do. And you and I, if you want a great marriage, we need to have the rules. We need to follow the rules. And we've got an awesome coach who knows the rules. And I'm not meaning this blaspheming, all right? But the Holy Spirit will only lead you in truth. And a family, a husband, and a wife who is being spirit-controlled, whose only purpose is to glorify God, who is surrendered to what the Bible says, and is not grieving the Holy Spirit by allowing sin and filth in our lives. And when the Holy Spirit is in charge, you will have a successful marriage. Amen. A lot of times our marriages struggle because we're not in the Word. 
A lot of times our marriage struggles because you know what the Bible says, but I don't want to do it. A lot of times our marriages are struggling because we are living contrary to what we know is right and allowing sin in our life, and we've grieved the Holy Spirit of God, and He's not working and leading and comforting and teaching as He should be and wants to do because of our sinful choices. We need a good owner. We have to have the right coach with the right knows all the rules. Number three, they have to want to work together. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Both of them were created in the image of God. That's what it says. Amen? Both were created, body, soul, and spirit, a triune being. Both were created in the image of God, but they had differences. Right? They had differences. Their differences would be that which would help each other. That's why a spouse is called a help me. They would help each other. Let me ask you a question. How do you see your spouse? Now, and I want you to... I don't, you don't have to say nothing out loud, I want, but I want you to think about this and just be honest in your heart. And may the Holy Spirit help us tonight. Ready? Do you see your spouse as inferior to you? Because a lot of marriage couples do. A lot of men will look at their wife and say, boy, she's lucky I put up with her. And there's a lot of ladies who look at their husbands and say, they're so dumb. If I were in charge... We're really quiet, aren't we? You say, oh, I'd never say that. They're not inferior to me. But do your actions say that? Do your actions speak it? Both Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. One was not inferior to the other. Amen. You say, but my strengths, probably... Your strengths are probably some things that may be a weak point in their life. And your weaknesses you might find is a, more of a strength in their life. Work together. Because if you get two people on the team that don't want to work together and they have no desire to help the other person so that they can be successful your marriage is going to struggle it's truth had a lot of couples sit across from my desk in the last eight, 18 years And a lot of times, because they just don't want to work together. Stacy and I have differences. Stacy and I think differently on some things. I don't care if the sock drawer is open, right? She does. When we got married, my weaknesses was sitting down at a table and communicating. That was a strength in her life. Some of my strengths are some things that I've been able to help her with. 
And together, we only have one purpose. Our purpose is not to have kids. Our purpose is not, you know, to, to learn to get along. Our purpose is to glorify God. And when that is the purpose of your life and you're willing to do whatever it takes to work with the person that you are married to. You say, but, you know, I've had some people say this. I married the wrong person. Well, two things. One, tough. That's why it's really important you have a close walk with God and you're being led by the Spirit when you're young. Number two, God's providence, God's sovereignty, God's will. He will help you and build a great marriage if you let him. But the more you fold your arms and say, I'm not working with that person, you treat them like they're inferior to you, the more your marriage is going to struggle. Number four, they have to be motivated and understand their opponent have to be a good motivation. Some teams just don't do well because they're just not motivated. They know they're going to be losers, and so they play that way. Uh, example, 2022 Cincinnati Reds, right? Uh, you know, they were terrible, and they knew they were terrible, and they didn't care, right? And uh, you have to be, keep a motivation and understand your opponent. Verse number 28 says, And God blessed them, and God said be unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave them instructions. God gave them goals. And God gave them a purpose. Right? All in that verse. He gave them responsibilities and goals and, and, uh, and, and gave them a purpose. And I go back, and I know I keep saying it, but I go back to the statement. What is the reason for your marriage? And you need to answer that question truthfully tonight. What is the reason to live together? To have kids? So you're not alone? Those things are not the reason for your marriage. The reason for marriage is what? To glorify God. That our relationship will glorify God. That God will use us in whatever avenue he chooses. That's why if God blesses with children, use them to glorify God. If God says, no, I'm not, they're not going to have children, some cannot have children. It doesn't mean they're anything less than anybody else. Then God has a different way and a different avenue for you to glorify God. And this is where it gets really hard to accept. You know, uh, if God has you get married at, at 18, then glorify God. If God has you wait till 38, or if God doesn't want you to get married, glorify God. But if that's your motivation, watch and see how God works in your life. But just glorify God. You've been brought together, and notice in this verse there, to have dominion. To have dominion. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue it and have dominion. Have dominion means what? To rule. To be in charge. Right? To, to, to be successful. Victorious. Amen? God wants us in our marriages to work together so that 
We can accomplish our eternal purpose to glorify God, and we can do it by living a victorious, God-honoring Christian life so that others can look at our marriage and see how good God is. So that our children can watch their parents and see how good God is. So that our peers can watch our marriages and see how good God is. If that's not a motivation in your marriage, then I guarantee right now your marriage is struggling because you haven't dedicated yourself to the glory of God and I'll allow the Holy Spirit to lead me in every way and I'll be surrendered to do whatever he wants me to do and I'm just going to let the Lord call the shots and we're going to work together to bring glory to his name. You're going to have a great marriage. But when you fold your arms and say, I can't work with that person, number one, you're wrong. Let God and his way work. Let God do it. But you're going to have to follow what God said to do. Because if you go against the rules, it will catch up to you. Eventually, it will destroy. So we've got to be motivated and understand our opponent. Have, number five, the right resources. By the way, no understanding our opponent a good marriage will know your spouse is not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. Tonight, your pastor is not your enemy. Your church is not your enemy. The devil and your flesh and this world are your enemy. Number five, you need to have the right resources. The right resources. Um, a good, successful franchise, they invest in their players. And they'll build and give them all the latest state-of-the-art, whatever they get, all right? In a marriage, we have to have the right resources to work together as a team. And I've got good news. Verse number 29. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, every tree in which is the fruit of, the tree, tree, of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Adam, Eve, I've given you everything you need to be strong and healthy. That's what he said. Amen? To us, spiritually speaking, First, Second Peter chapter 1, and verse number 3, God hath given to us all things that pertain unto godliness. Friends, you have everything that you need to be a godly person, if you're saved, to bring glory to God. Your marriage has every resource it needs in this book. Your marriage has everything if you allow the word of God and the spirit of God and all the correct influences. God gives us a church for the perfecting of the saints and we just get involved and we yield to what the word of God says. You're going to have everything you need to have a strong marriage. I've yet to have a couple. The 18 years of marriage counseling. I've yet to have a couple. Who had a walk with God, both people, and were faithful to the house of God, and was following and doing what they knew was right to do, have divorce issues. They're all quiet, I mean. It's just true, because guess what? This works. It works. Our problem is we just don't want to do it. 
But you have, you have, you have to have the right resources. We have it. We have the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God. We have each other. We have the church. We have the Word of God. Amen. We've got it. Number, number six, you need to have a good leader. A good leader. In the marriage relationship, chapter number two. Verse number seven, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It is a God-ordained principle in the word of God that the man is to be in the authority in the home. Amen. Adam was told to name the animals. The wife, Eve, was brought to him. He named her. Now, I'm not... It isn't God's plan that you name your wife, all right? I'm not saying that, all right? But I'm saying this, that God worked through Adam. One is not superior than the other. And our, our, our text verse for that is that the Bible says in Paul's epistles that the head of the Lord Jesus is God. The head of man is the Lord Jesus. And the head of the woman is the man. Now, is Jesus inferior to God? No. no. Amen? They're both all-powerful, all-knowing. Any attribute you want to talk about, they're equal. Paul talked about in the book, of, the book of Philippians that the Lord Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be what? Equal with God. But what did the Lord Jesus do? He willingly accepted a place of subjection. And guess what? It's worked for eternity. Amen? It's worked for eternity. And in that same way, the, the man is to be the head of the wife. Now, you didn't amen that. That's the same verse, folks. Amen, Brother Hodden. Amen me, please. All right? That's the same verse. That's not a chauvinistic, sexist statement that I just made. That is God-ordained role of authority. One is not superior than the other. One is not better than the other. Matter of fact, it puts a lot of pressure on the man that you better have a walk with God or else you're really going to mess things up. But a wife that will not accept that authority and a wife that will not allow the man to fill that role that God has given him to do, your marriage is going to struggle. I can do it better. Maybe. But that's not what God said to do. When we will, it's not a matter of who's better, who's not. But God expects there to be leadership. And in the home, God has placed the man to be in that leadership, that authority position. Men, you are to be the physical leader. You are to be the spiritual leader. You are to be the head of your home. And you need to constantly be seeking God's help, God's direction. And you better have a walk with God or one day you're going to stand before God and give an account for what you did with your family. So take it seriously. Number seven, each has to understand their role and do their job right. Chapter two and verse number 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Adam needed Eve. And Eve needed Adam. I ask every couple to answer this question tonight. Do you both understand your role? So what's my role? Get in the book. We'll talk about it this year, but get in the book. God's told us what our roles are. And let me give you something else real quick. 
you can't make the other do their role. You just have to do your job right, your responsibility right. And my basketball team, right? Cody can't make Jared rebound. He can't. I wish we could. <laughs> Jared has to make Jared rebound. But Cody can do what Cody does. You can't make your spouse do what God wants them to do. But you can do what you're supposed to do. And by the way, that's what the Word of God talks about in Peter and other locations. That's how we help in Ephesians. That's how we help get both of us to where we need to be. The Bible doesn't say husbands love your wives as long as they're doing what's right. Husbands love your wives, period. It's settled. Whether they submit to you, reverence you, whether they're making your lunch or breakfast, or whether they're giving you a kiss goodnight, it doesn't matter. You love them. And you know what that will do? Eventually that will motivate them. That they want to be what God's called them to be. Vice versa, any way you want to look at that. Everyone has to understand their role. And do the job right. We work together as a team. And there will always be success. Now, before I close... In this passage of scripture, the next chapter, catastrophe, right? Sin, death. Everybody with me? Give you three things to think about and we'll pray. When all the problems happen in chapter 3 and verse number 1, first thing I want you to note is the team members were separated. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made, and he said unto the woman. They weren't together. Right? I don't know, but the point, and I believe the teaching here is this, that she was alone. Adam was alone. They weren't together. And disaster came. Sin came. The enemy came. Husbands and wives, we need to stick close together. Number two, there was a formidable opponent, and they underestimated him. Eve greatly underestimated who she was speaking to. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. There was evil, lies, wiles, deceptions. When the devil began to speak to her, she didn't run away, cry out for Adam. Matter of fact, I don't read any fear at all. She's just having a conversation with him. If we underestimate the enemy... 
and we're not working close together, disaster is going to come. Team members were separated. They underestimated their formidable opponent. And in verses 2 through 6, which we're not going to read, you know the story. The woman took on the opponent by herself. Right? The rest is history. She began to have this conversation and this dialogue between her and the enemy. And she fell. Sin came. Death came. Because she tried to take on the enemy by herself. They look at me. Husbands and wives. You need each other. And you need to go through these points tonight together and say, all right, these are things we need to correct. Is there hearts, is there attitudes, is there actions that we need to change? Because you know what happened after this? In chapter 3 and verse number 12, Adam begins to blame his wife. Right? It's this woman Bell gave us me. He begins to blame his wife for all the problems. And in chapter 3 and verse number 16, which still continues today, the woman would now resent his authority. And it would be a struggle for Eve and every lady from there on out that is not spirit-controlled to willingly submit in a position to allow him to be the leader. Because they quit working as a team. Whatever you need to do tonight, stop. Let's get right. Solomon was right when he said these words. Two are better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken.